think like my queerness is, that is present in my art has actually been like a driving factor for my image, I guess. A good reason for people to want to work with me. I, I am, I guess, good <laughs> at providing, you know, like um, art that kind of is reminiscent and like comes from that kind of identity, I guess. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Devin Yang. He is a Chinese-American artist working as a concept artist at Rec Room. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, currently working at Rec Room. Uh, I work on mostly kind of cosmetics there, and I also get to uh, help uh, concept out new game modes every once in a while. And yeah, outside of that, um, a lot of my work history is freelance. I work with studios like High Res, Steamforge. I have a lot of freelance work history. I also teach workshops here and there once in a while. That's very fulfilling. Oh, wow. And yeah, I'm very, I'm very. Uh, growth oriented so i also make sure I, I i get a chance to take like a class or two from another industry artist like at least once a year that's awesome so yeah yeah me in a nutshell <laughs> awesome wow can't wait to get into that of course but before we do the way we like to start off on straight ahead is by playing a little game called in between we're gonna give you two similar choices and they have to choose in between the two of them and let us know why Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool. I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather be enrolled in Jujutsu High for where oh, you learn to fight spirits from Jujutsu Kaisen or hired by the public safety devil hunters from Chainsaw Man? Oof. I would fucking perish in both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be yeah, like the, 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 the stakes. <laughs> no, for real. I'd be like the level one like NPC character that like you see in like one frame walking down the street. Like that's me right there. I can't do shit. <laughs> but in terms of what universe, I, I, I don't know. I think I would I have a good chance of dying in both universes, don't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're both pretty scary. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't got a I don't got a good answer for y'all, but <laughs> um, if we're talking about the animes itself and just which one I personally like more a little bit, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's like yeah. a, like a preference by like a hair, but, um, the animation style of Jujutsu Kaisen, I think hits home a little closer for me. Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The style. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I know that was a little bit of a cop out answer, but. No, that's no, fine. no, not at all. That's fine. <laughs> I, I can't believe you didn't take this seriously, Devin. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I, I think personally, I, I really like, I, I would probably go with Jujutsu High because Ooh. at least everybody is like a fully realized person because as Mm. much as i love as much as i love denji and like Mm. power and all of those Mm -hmm. guys they're like so socially like inept because that's it's like kind of the point yeah you're so it's kind of the point Mm -hmm. 
I mean, except for like, there's a couple of people there who are like competent. Mm-hmm. The I guess the plus side is is that I would have a job, um, and Ray right. might go for this because he would get paid. <laughs> but <laughs> look, I know Ray. <laughs> um, but I I would probably go with Jujutsu High because I feel like I would have a better time before I died. <laughs> That's a really good point. I think you've convinced me. I think you've convinced me. Yeah. I forgot that like Denji's kind of like a creepo. Well, he he's like a feral boy. Yeah. He gets better over time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. And that's the point is he gets better over time. Gotcha. Yeah. I have zero background on any of the characters. So that's all right. I saw him and I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like him. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Ray? Have you seen either of these? I know about both of them. I have not okay, all right. seen. On your um, limited knowledge. Yeah, my limited knowledge. Based on what's been said, I actually think I would go to Jujutsu High. Because oh, okay. I like the idea of being of going to a school to learn to fight spirits. It just gives me like... That you know, does sound cool. Uh, it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it gives me... What is it? Witch Academia vibes. Oh, it gives yes. me like yeah. Harry yes. Potter or like my hero academia like just mm-hmm. going to a school where i can either gain or, or like or learn how to control my magical powers or learn spells mm. sounds a lot cooler to me than uh working for the public safety devil hunters yeah i think yeah jujitsu high for sure just so i can right. like learn to like fight spirits is dope oh yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. fair damn what a shout out but you know <laughs> I, I respect it <laughs> all right last question which talking animal companion would you rather have? Beatrice from Over the Garden Wall or Swift Wind from She-Ra and the Princesses of Power? Ooh, you're lucky that you asked that because I watched both of those shows. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to say something that I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. But, um, oh, I love both of those shows so much. Gosh, I mean, like, I think Beatrice. Beatrice would just be fun to hang mm-hmm. around with. Mm. But um shit, what's his name again? The unicorn guy. Swift Wind. <laughs> Swift Wind. Swift Wind. I'm so yeah. sorry, Swift Wind. No disrespect to you, my dudes. But um I mean he's very much a side character. Yeah. yeah. No, like he would be just it'd be like interesting to do, deal with um on a daily basis just because of how goofy he is. But um, I think, like, utility-wise, like, like if I need to get somewhere, like, yeah. I'm going to take him. Like, I probably would never need a car again. Yeah, like a Pegasus. Although I still probably couldn't ride him in the U.S. because the military will shoot me down. No! Um, <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> uh. But um, probably Swift Wind. Yeah. I think that'll do for me. Yeah. 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 I feel that. I think ignoring the fact that the military would shoot me down, like, <laughs> I would also go with Swift Wind just because I would like a flying horse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. But, yeah, yeah, that that seems like the clear choice to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Beatrice is fine, mm-hmm. but, like, I want a flying horse. Who doesn't want a flying horse? Right. Oh, my God. We could also take Swift Wind to Pride and just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Beautiful. It mm-hmm. fit right in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I gotta go with my girl Beatrice here. Mm, I just, yes. I, th- I just think she would be fun to hang out with. Like, she's a little bit, she's a little bit Cinderella, where she's like, <laughs> she <laughs> she's is, like, yeah. uh, like, yeah. whatever. Like, this guy sucks, but mm-hmm. I need him uh, to like break my curse. And then she's like, well, actually, like, she's ni- she's a nice person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
love and respect and justice for Beatrice. I know. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for playing uh, in between with us, Devin. Yeah, of course. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And (laughs) to our audience, if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, send us a message either on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into it. I want to say thank you again, Devin, for being on the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Mm. Could you tell us how you got your start in the game industry? Oh boy. Um. Well, okay. So I knew. Okay, let's let's just go back a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, growing up, parents very anti-video games. Somehow though, when I was applying to college, um, I guess, I guess like my stubbornness of loving and enjoying video games and like realizing that concept art was kind of like a path, like a choice that I could try and reach for. Mm. I guess I convinced my, my parents that I could, you know, like put their faith in me. And so they Mm -hmm. actually sent me off to um, a university with one of those like game design and and, like game art programs. Mm. Uh, That school ended up being Northeastern university, which is in Boston and is, and I have continued to live here after that because Boston's a lovely, wonderful little city. Oh, no. They did not want me to go to an art school mm-hmm. because, you know, like the Asian parent mentality of like art school is kind of sketchy. At least mine. At least mine, I guess. <laughs> it was very much like, oh, I don't know about art schools, Devin. Like the traditional universities, like we know that. Like you're going to have mm-hmm. to go to one of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were very few universities with, like, game art programs. It was, like, everything that I kind of saw at the time was, like, mostly, like, game, like, CS. And mm, yeah, I knew, I took one programming class in high school, and I was like, fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not for me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, surprise, surprise, I still had to take a couple really rancid <laughs> uh, programming <laughs> classes for my game art program in college anyway and it wasn't the best time but I did it so I know some things I can talk to my partner <laughs> who does code for for a living and I know some things so there's, <laughs> there's that but yeah the program in itself wasn't super helpful at all mm. um sorry mm. Northeastern University yeah I I'm I really <laughs> like blunt when it comes to kind of like the program itself it really didn't do much for me like the school's Mm -hmm. connections to the industry very very few and far in between Mm -hmm. and so i have a bunch of friends who really kind of like pushed themselves during school and you know kind of like made their way in kind of established a network and like those those are the friends that i'm kind of like okay like you're in like i'm in like um we made it but on our on our own merits really yeah, mm-hmm. I can give very little credit to my university for where I am today, really, outside mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the people that I've met, really, and my friends mm-hmm. that I made there. And, you know, like, there's always like that conversation, right, between university, like traditional university and art school, right? Because there mm-hmm. were multiple times when I was in my classes at Northeastern University, where I considered dropping out and just like moving, maybe transferring to like an art school. Mm-hmm. I, I like considered art germs school in Singapore, which which would have been a huge move. Wow, for wow. a little bit, yeah. And you know, ultimately, I didn't go through with it. You know, looking back, like even though I didn't get the hard skills that I wanted out of my classes, 
mm-hmm. the the soft skills and like the friendships that I made and like just really finding myself like in university and like also just like having that time to come to terms with like my queer identity as well. And mm-hmm. I got really involved with the Pan Asian American community on campus too. Like I mm. helped run some orgs there during my time. But yeah, that was all. It was very much like an experience slash journey of like self discovery there. And I would not mm. trade that for any amount of time at an art school. Like, like really, like what it came down to was just having more time to work on my hard skills after school. And that's mm. kind of where my growth really kind of erupted. So yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, you know, after school, like the my classes did give me some good background in graphic design and motion graphics, and mm. you know, a lot of the understanding of like shape and kind of like arranging things on like a a spread is very Mm -hmm. very transferable even though you know it's not like direct drawing right but a lot of the principles i'd like to think are pretty pretty similar Mm -hmm. and so that definitely helped too in terms of like having just maybe like one leg up on like other kids perhaps in terms of like maybe how to present my work Mm -hmm. but but yeah that was that was kind of how it worked out for me i did like motion graphics for i think like a almost around two years after I graduated. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I worked at like a in-house kind of like design uh, team for a convention center here in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I, the work was great. I, I loved my team. The The company and the place fucking blew. <laughs> it was like corporate yeah. as hell for me. No one really mm-hmm. understood what our team did. I remember there was this one time, mm-hmm. this like a group from like the admin side came in. They were like, like tourings a couple new hires maybe and they they came into our our little digital media room and they were like here are the digital media guys they are creative they do creative (laughs) things and that's all they say and you know it's it's just shocking yeah no for real and just like the climate was very corporate there was a lot of like people from the boomer generation there a lot of their ways of thinking just really i had a very difficult time dealing with that (laughs) like again the job itself was pretty great like it wasn't exactly what i wanted to be doing but i had like a decent work-life balance Mm. that kind of allowed me to actually like feel like i had the energy to push my concept art uh hearts Mm. a little bit more and um kind of reach out to places more on my own and just build up my confidence in there and like you know, I was also very lucky too that like the team lead that I had at the time, like she really didn't mind me even like using some work hours to like do some drawing in my spare time because we had tablets okay. at work to help us with yeah. motion graphics. So, you know, I'd say social media was a huge mm-hmm. kind of like way in mm-hmm. for me, like Twitter hopping on right when COVID started, I think was like monumental. Like that was just such perfect timing. And mm-hmm. I was able to make a lot of really cool connections there kind of like pretty quickly, honestly. And now it's been a few years um, and I've kind of like nurtured a lot of those relationships more and, you know, met even more cool people. And it's just a really cool platform, I think, even even with all the, the Elon Musk shenanigans <laughs> that's happening and just kind of reach mm-hmm. being very difficult to get these days. Like, I think like my experience, my net experience on Twitter has still been more positive than bad and that's that's why i still continue to stay on there also because my reach is the largest on that platform and so it's Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to leave because because yeah like 
I am still like on like the earlier parts of my career, right? Like I, I don't have the ability to really kind of like pick and choose exactly what studios I want to work at. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's such a good sign when you're able to turn down like huge AAA companies that want you, but like, you're like, Mm -hmm. "Mm -hmm." like your principles don't align with mine. And like, I feel like that's currently how I can gauge like, oh, okay, maybe I'm finally senior enough and like (laughs) established Mm -hmm. a big enough name for me to do that. Maybe one day, hopefully one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get like, there's just so many like good work opportunities that come from Twitter that, yeah, has really kind of like helped me get to where I am today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I didn't have any kind of like glorious like internships or or Mm -hmm. co-ops at any like, at like Riot or Blizzard, it was all very just kind of like, it's I like my journey is definitely like a lot more, I guess, like, not very shiny, not very, mm. not very. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't like, one of like, the one or two people from like, like the top people from like Art Center who like would get jobs yeah. right after right, like, yeah, yeah, my path was very much like, like, not very glorious freelance contracts, and kind of like slowly stepping stepping into the industry kind of in that way and just kind of like, oh, like doing work for that, kind of growing a lot, doing work again, growing Mm -hmm. and just kind of continuing. And I I would say like, I didn't get some of my biggest or bigger contracts until I kind of uh, was sharing my witching hour project. And Mm. that gained me like, a lot, a lot <laughs> of um, <laughs> recognition on the social mm. medias. I think I recall people at High Res and Steamforge reaching out because they were like, they cited Witching Hour and they were like, yeah, we really like, you know, like your approach mm-hmm. to this project. So we want to bring you on for something. Yeah. You know, like we, we love what we see and, and yeah, draw stuff for us. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> So, That's awesome. yeah, towards the end of my stint at the motion graphics job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I left because, well, number one, I was getting some more freelance opportunities coming my way. And I just, I was kind of running out of energy, too, because their COVID policies were ass. Like, oh, like no. yeah, yeah, like, you can, you can, you can imagine, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm, a place mm-hmm. yeah. full of boomers. Yeah, I was just having a really hard time because we never really even quarantined. Like, maybe we did, like, remote work for a month. But, like, literally after the month of the first month of, like, the COVID stuff hitting, like, we were, like, all part-time back in the office. And that's kind of the majority of how we worked throughout the whole year. And, yeah, yeah towards the, at the end, the, like, the beginning and middle of 2021, I was, like, done kind of kind of over this yeah don't have the energy you know like the stress of trying not to catch covid on the commute every every morning and and Mm -hmm. evening back like it's a lot and like i was running out of energy for my own personal stuff and just even like freelance work and so you know i i left and you know i freelanced full-time actually for like three months but Mm -hmm. i i did land the rec room job in that um interim and so yeah, it was it was a very busy year <laughs> mm-hmm. and scary year because yeah, jumping from like a full time kind of like very secure job, mm-hmm. y- even though it didn't pay like extravagantly mm-hmm. or even well, I'd say. I think jumping into freelance just whoop, was very scary. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, and you know, like I like the main reason why I held back on like leaving was because health insurance we get. We got fucking, we got yeah. like fucking fined like 
in Massachusetts, we don't have health insurance for any chunk of time during the year, which is so, ugh, it gives me the mm-hmm, ick. Yeah. Like, what's the point of that? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I discovered that you can get health insurance based on like, like by having like a domestic partner. And mm. I didn't know that. Like I had a friend tell me that like, as soon as I heard about that, I was like, okay, make him play us leave in like two months. <laughs> and so we followed through but but yeah that was like that was huge because mm-hmm. yeah i definitely would not be where i am without the support of my partner so shout out to him but yeah like um you know luckily i only did freelance for three months and i probably could have continued like freelancing like i could have continued making like a good amount of income from freelance for a while mm-hmm. and that could have led to something else too right mm-hmm. but the stuff that comes with full time is just a little a little nice <laughs> Yeah, kind of nice. <laughs> and so, yeah, here we are at Rec Room. On the topic of, of Rec Room, could you tell us what the typical day to day is like for a concept artist at Rec Room? Gosh, my day to day. So we have like daily scrum meetings um, where kind of everyone, uh, we just kind of go off rapid fire. The team's a little bit big now, so it takes a little bit longer than I would personally like now. Mm-hmm. But it's like a good way to kind of quickly know exactly what people are doing for the day if someone needs to be blocked or if someone needs to be unblocked that's like a good time to address it too what do you mean by like uh, so sorry when you're Mm -hmm. saying like scrum and blocked could Mm -hmm. you kind of like describe what uh, you mean in those terms yes so scrum to my understanding is kind of like a quick way for people to kind of gather in a meeting and Mm. run through things I don't yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly know what it is, but like we talk about what we're gonna do. Okay, yeah. And you know, like we also kind of go over what we did the other day. Just like a a very lovely way to kind of all get on the same page really quickly, and mm-hmm. we do that daily. What I mean by blocked is sometimes like an artist can't move forward with their assignment if they mm, okay. if someone else hasn't finished something that they need for their asset. Right, um, and that's a good way to kind of take care of that too. Like. I, my unity shit itself the other day. And that was a good way for me to kind of like in that scrum meeting, be like, hey, hey, um, tech artist, I or engineer, like, I need help. <laughs> Please unblock me. <laughs> and so yeah, those are kind of scrum meetings. So we do those daily. But outside of that, and, and I mean, those meetings are like 20, 20 minutes now. <laughs> but you know, outside of that, I have a pretty good work life balance here. So, you know, like my drawing hours, like they're like surprisingly low. <laughs> oh. And I think that's good for me. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, like I've been told I draw pretty fast. So that might also be a part of it. No, it's very subjective. So I, I don't really know what to think of that comment outside. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of those maybe. And so, yeah, like I could be drawing anything from like like a new funky costume for like an avatar for one for um our avatars right mm-hmm. yeah so i could be like drawing a costume for an avatar item um one day and then the next day i could be working on a prop for a um a new game mode right mm-hmm. and okay, yeah. i work remotely so the my my kind of like work strategy to kind of like stay as productive you know as i can be with my hours because people there's that three hour time zone difference. And then I log oh, off yeah. earlier than my, my Seattle peoples do because Rucker mm-hmm. is based in Seattle and a good chunk of them uh, work out of Seattle. Yeah, it's my strategy is kind of like almost like laddering my assignments. I usually try and have like two 
going at once two or three Mm -hmm. and so like Mm -hmm. when i share like a page of work for feedback i can while i wait 24 hours for the feedback to roll in i can kind Mm -hmm. of work on something else the following day Um, and that's that's been really nice for me and so and so yeah that's kind of that's kind of how i've been working here you know we do like other kind of like our, our team related meetings like um here and there like we'll do like just like a our team kind of like going through like our our larger quarterly projects once every two weeks give updates mm-hmm. but yeah otherwise it's it's pretty chill yeah <laughs> um yeah, i often nice. i often feel like kind of guilty for like not filling up like the proper whatever like eight hours of like work a day like hey, as long as you get your exactly, assignments done exactly fine and like you're it's yeah. hard right because like because most of my background is in freelance and like so much of that has been like hourly like mm-hmm. hourly rates like that's what my mind is conditioned to and so yeah. switching to an environment where i'm salaried and you know like my lead artist has literally told me like seven you're being paid for your work not for your time so like if you have like an extra hour or two to your day like you don't have to fill that up with anything if your work is already done and so nice it's it's so good hearing that right but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah my brain like i'm i'm just i'm still trying to unlearn (laughs) certain Mm -hmm. things about um working hourly yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. maybe it's because you work really fast but it's it's something that we should just get to a point in general i Mm. think the thing that really needs to stop especially like in socal or like the animation industry in general it's like working all those ghost hours that people feel like oh i need to put in this time or Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna get my assignment done or it's like oh i want to look good to my higher up so i want to put in extra hours to make this shot look really cool yeah Mm. absolutely and it harms the schedule so much because then if you if they see all this work that you're producing unpaid they think like oh the schedule's working yeah. or like oh maybe we can shorten the schedule instead of mm. looking at it like oh hey everybody keeps asking for ot maybe the schedule is a bit too tight maybe we should add some time yeah and like yeah so if you finish early chill yeah, yeah. enjoy, enjoy yeah, that time you're, you're getting you're getting paid yeah to do the assignment right and you have a deadline if it gets in on the deadline mm-hmm. you're golden yes mm-hmm. absolutely so something that you mentioned briefly or that you were talking about is that you've done a lot of freelance work for companies like mm-hmm. Hi-Rez, Wild Blue Studios, uh, Steamforge Games. What was like your first freelance experience compared to your latest one? Like, how do you feel like you evolved like as a freelance artist? Totally. Gosh, my very first one was from a very kind soul. His name is Chris. He runs Asmati Games. Shout out to you, Chris. He found me on Twitter, I believe. And we are both Boston based. So. He was also very, oh. he was also local. So I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And basically we worked together kind of like, um, we did a lot of like world building for an IP. And, you know, like, I don't exactly know, like, I haven't been in close touch since. Because this was, I think like, might have been like late 2019 and like mm-hmm. first half of like 2020, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, where we were like just developing this kind of like world, like. I think the project might still be on my art station. I forget if I took it off or not because it is older work now. Mm. And some of my understanding of anatomy has kind of led me to be like, ooh, I don't know if I should show this or not anymore. But it doesn't take away <laughs> from the fact that, you know, it, it was a lot of like, there was like a huge variety of thematics and kind of like c- cities that kind of we explored just 
yeah, it was like very, it showed that I can kind of do a lot of different themes really. And mm-hmm. I think that was very powerful to just kind of start off with right out of school with like really no form of proper training, no, no classes taken at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baby freelancer Devin <laughs> doing his best. <laughs> and yeah, like, I think, you know, like I, I've definitely like my hard skills is number one, like the easiest for me to kind of gauge, like, yes, I have grown tremendously there. Right. Mm. And, you know, outside of that, in terms of like freelancing, like it's very interesting because uh, as a freelancer, I feel like I'm kind of being paid to just really do the work itself, Mm. but not feel like I, or at least a lot of the projects that I've been on, like I didn't feel like I had as big of a voice really in Mm. um, the way things the the, the decision making process basically because you know like like i'm kind of coming in i don't really have any freelance experience like a lot of it's kind of like mindset really like oh Mm -hmm. you know i'm just an outside artist like i'm just here to execute on the art and you guys can make decisions right and for you know a lot of projects i feel like that's true but you know like i'm also very lucky too that like um i've had the experience of like some of my freelance projects where i i have had a bigger say in like the visual direction of something mm. and that's been super meaningful and the best thing about free uh, or about full-time for me is that i get way more of that back and forth and that's kind of what mm-hmm. i live for like that's why i love being a game developer i love i love working with people and like um getting excited about uh each other's ideas and stuff yeah and so like it's very transferable still to freelance because you know, like I feel like more, more, I guess, like empowered and just more confident in myself too, to just kind of like for whatever freelance project I'm on, um, either now or like in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Be less afraid of kind of like, oh, like, you know, like here is the spread of work that I was asked to do. But also like if I feel strongly about something that I drew, I might feel better about kind of like asking whoever I'm working with, like, you know, what, what do you think about what do you think about this option? Yeah. Instead of just holding back and saying nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure my mentality still has a lot of room for growth and I'm sure I'll see things differently in another five years from now. But yeah, like I think kind of like just being on a bunch of different projects and pipelines and seeing how mm-hmm. studios like the function, like that's also just been like monumental too, mm-hmm. in terms of my understanding of just kind of like, what are some good and bad ways to kind of work? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I guess like soft skill wise, like maybe some more confidence there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Something else I kind of want to get into is that in your design, do you include like a lot of complex fashion and details? Mm. How have you built up your mental library to kind of include these elements in your work? I have an interest in high fashion. Mm. I like during like chill hours or just kind of like on my own spare time. I love watching like runway videos on YouTube of just like kind of like the newest and the latest kind of like fashion shows. I know there's a mm-hmm. bunch that just happened earlier this year and that was really cool to see. But even then that was kind of like a recent development. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't always looking at these kinds of things. And so, you know, like a lot of my visual library, gosh, you know, like it comes from, I think just, Good question. Good question. What where does it come from? Like <laughs> like prior to like my my like, you know, like 
the artist on Pinterest thing. Pinterest is huge. Like it's great. It's lovely. But yeah, mm. no, that's such a good question. Cause like, like I, I've been working mostly from my visual library for the longest time. And I guess mm. that just kind of all came from like the movies that I, that I like the, the TV shows that I've watched the, mm. and, and, you know, like animations and anime and just gosh, like, yeah, movies and film, I think are huge. I'm such like a, a movie and TV show binger. I I just love watching anything and everything. Like you can throw me the the shittiest poorest rating thing, and I'll probably still watch. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I would definitely say a lot of it comes from that. I've always just kind of had an interest in kind of like pretty looking things. I guess mm. <laughs> if you can call it that. I just yeah, I'm I'm very interested in just kind of like floral things and just. Like, my personal art taste is very, very feminine, I would say. Mm-hmm. For, you know, for better or worse, in, in the games industry. I guess, like, I think, like, that might just kind of inherently attract my brain to certain elements of, like, fashion that, you know, I might not have noticed consciously that I was even doing, adding to my visual library. But, yeah, things that I kind of just picked up along the way, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, from the video games that I play, too, like, I grew up on Warcraft. I grew up on. Um, I play. I still play a lot of League of Legends. Unfortunately, <laughs> I feel that. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's just gorgeous. I I love their art style so much. But yeah, I think it just my understanding of you know like fashion and like details really just comes from the things that I've really enjoyed consuming. And and yeah, I'd say like. My more recent developments and kind of like my interest in like high fashion, like just consuming a lot of imagery, mm-hmm. like definitely adds to a good way for me to continue growing that visual library and discover really, really cool ways to arrange pieces of fabric on a character's body and, you know, tell stories mm-hmm. with that. I think like I've, al- oh, I've also always kind of been like detail driven, like I've gotten um, certain comments on my work before, like for different projects that I might not have been like the best fit for. Mm-hmm. where like oh they're like the level of detail that you include is a little bit too high so yeah, you know yeah. like mm. so you know like that might be a problem but you know like well here i am working on rec room <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh super stylized very very unlike my personal work um and you know even with that kind of simplicity mm-hmm. i'm learning so much um just come mm. it's just just it's just like so much power behind knowing when and where to simplify shapes of a character right for sure and and yeah even though i'm like one and a half years in like i'm still learning new things about shapes and it's and it's great yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good so something i kind of want to dive into you mentioned this earlier is that like one of the things that got you the most recognition and the most visibility on social media mm. was your project the witching hour mm. could you talk a bit about your witching hour universe and what that is for the audience that might not be aware yeah <laughs> so it's a project that was inspired by by my interest and kind of i guess like love for for the bl genre of things oh, um nice. and so i just wanted to draw pretty boys that's all mm-hmm. i wanted to do <laughs> and it wasn't even going to be a personal project it was just going to be like a one-off character my first character his name is Luke Richardaria. He's like this Claymore ice kind of user. Mm. And I just wanted to design a pretty boy. <laughs> that was really it. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I just started getting a lot of like ideas um, from kind of that. Like 
you know, like there's always like <laughs> the uke and the semi pairing in BL. And so mm. I wanted, you know, like to pair him with someone. And then there was Aiden and he's like my, like the, the purple fire, fiery boy. Um, mm-hmm. I like to refer to kind of his, his kind of magic as kind of like astral infused fire, mm. kind of like mm. starry elements. And yeah, he he is a handful. <laughs> he got a very kind of like energetic personality, whereas like Luke is very kind of like quiet and like very stoic, kind of difficult to read. Mm-hmm. But you know, like he can he really cares for someone. But once he has that relationship established with them, and um, you know, like I don't have too much art of like my characters together. Mm. That's something that I don't do too much of, I guess, because I think um, with this project, at least, I just wanted to show off like, hey, like I can like really I know the iteration process. Like I want to I want to show off like how I'm thinking about like each of these characters individually. And, Mm. um, you know, there still needs to be more work done to bring them all closer together. You know, like I, Mm. oh, it's been on my to do list forever. (laughs) <laughs> you know what is time but you know like drawing them all together and kind of like a key art splash image of them kind of like mm. in cool action poses i really want to do that but you know <laughs> maybe in the future yeah but yeah i know like the project was very much like i kind of focused on like one character at a time and like kind of like with the first character i was like you know it'd be kind of cool like if i explored kind of the other schools of magic in this world and what that might look mm. like and so you know mm-hmm. like there's like like Luke comes from a, a lineage of like these kind of like frost magic kind of users, mm-hmm. and um, Aiden comes from a line of kind of like this kind of like astral and kind of like heavenly related magic users. Like mm-hmm. I picked the word um, Kaleidos to kind of describe that house because it kind of it's like very like a kaleidoscope. It's like very like multicolored. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. I wanted to capture with that word was kind of like energy, like that is a house of like energy users. And so mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to do list is we only see like the the kind of like the ruling family of like mm-hmm. astral magic users because um you know they're they're considered ruling because they have you know people who are you know just born with the ability of foresight and they're just naturally gifted at kind of leading. Um, people into the right the right spots in like a timeline right mm-hmm. and you know Aiden's like on the kind of like the other half of like astral magic side where his stuff is very much not not that his is like very like punch punch flashy kicky <laughs> and yeah and like it's so fun to kind of like play with that juxtaposition but you know it also leaves room for me to kind of explore what the other side looks like right because like mm-hmm. these these boys they have families they have siblings they have you know, like a whole community around them and they're all gathering at this one school to learn together. And so mm-hmm. there is definitely so much to be done, but going back to House Kaleidos, right? Like we've also only seen like kind of like what astral magic or even fire kind of looks like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, energy is like so, like you can interpret it in so many different ways. Like I have, <laughs> I have plans to kind of explore like what kind of like uh, like a sect of maybe like lightning magic users might look like like it's also Mm -hmm. you know like wind like energy just takes so many different forms and yep like (laughs) i guess (laughs) to people who are fans of that project like stay tuned because like there's just so much content for me to explore in just that one house and you know like we have the others too we have victor who's from house crimson they're very 
very edgy. They're a little vampiric, but they're not vampires. <laughs> they just love their blood shit. And, and you know, like even with that, like the the cool edgier magic, like mm-hmm. I could probably dive into houses, like uh, like on the other kind of ends of like edginess. Like maybe like we mm-hmm. have like a pestilence house. Maybe we have like a death house. I don't know. We could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's it's stuff that makes me very excited and passionate about the world. Yeah. And then the last house we have House Bloom, mm-hmm. where it's it's all very plant like, it's very naturey, but it looks kind of like dark and decrepit a little because I want kind of like like there's like we have like all these kinds of magics and like the the word witch kind of like really drives kind of how I think about everything together mm. because um there's like a certain amount of kind of like darkness and like like grittiness that's just barely there because you still Mm -hmm. i still want it to kind of look very colorful and bright but you know like if you like pay attention a little bit you know like there is like an element of edginess even in like a house named bloom you know (laughs) yeah yeah um where you know like his his um leaf's plant magic will still look kind of like creepy and like there's bioluminescence kind of playing in like playing with you know yeah like the the shadowier shapes and the contrast and everything to kind of get that mm-hmm. um like barely creepy element across <laughs> also i love this style of writing where it just i mean it seems to kind of have blossomed from the the original like uh your first character right where you're like oh mm. i i have i have this guy and he's he's ice claymore uh he has a certain trope about him and so I need people to sort of like fill in around yes. that and then going exploring through those venues, sort yes. of like that. I really love that that sort of mm. style of like exploration, as you kept <laughs> saying. Yeah. I don't know. That all feels very like concepts to me, like concept <laughs> art of like, oh, instead of starting with a story or a plot mm. and then kind of like filling out around that, mm. you're just kind of going off of like, yeah. oh, like elements and vibes and like, oh, this exists, so that must mean that there's, like, the opposite, you know, that sort of thing. I yeah, think that's really sure. fun. I don't know. Thank I like you. that. Yeah. 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 No, like, I think it just kind of made sense. Gives a lot of freedom. Time. I'm sure there's, like, so many better ways for me to do it. Yeah, who cares? And, you know, like, look at, yeah, exactly. Like, looking <laughs> back to, like, when you design, like, a lineup of heroes, like, it's usually very, very good to kind of pay attention to, like, actually putting them in a lineup and, like... Mm. Like considering, you know, like how they look next to each other and yada yada. I didn't do that for this. I didn't have the foresight. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so this it was like for didn't fun. have the experience. But yeah, exactly, exactly. There's that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just there's like an element of kind of whimsicality of just kind of like working from character to character, like keeping mm-hmm. my venues open. It's kind of like not <laughs> like being an author and not choosing to write to do the proper thing which is write an outline for your book first and just kind of yeah. diving diving in first and that was kind of what this project was like for me and yeah. mm-hmm. it, it was definitely a lot of fun not a lot of planning but a lot of fun yeah, yeah. sounds so yeah. fun so as we start to wind down one of the final things i want to ask is how does your cultural background influence you and your art yeah like i i am an intersectional person i am both chinese american and i am gay Mm-hmm. And I think like my queerness it, that is present in my art has actually been like a driving factor for my image, I guess, and like mm. a good reason for people to want to work with me because I I am I guess good <laughs> at providing <laughs> you know like um, art that kind of is reminiscent and like comes from that kind of identity, I guess. Like 
Mm. Like, I feel like mm. getting a lot of work after my witching hour stuff kind of blew up on social media was like a, like a key kind of like result of kind of like, oh, like I was pretty explicit about this project coming from like the Elf Roots. And yet here we are, we mm-hmm. have these like pretty like established companies reaching out because, <laughs> because they like that. <gasps> mm-hmm. And I think that's like the biggest, biggest sign, right? That um, I've been lucky enough, right, to have people who have appreciated my personal tastes, my my tastes in art, and my um, yeah, my outlook on kind of like characters and like being kind of in touch with, I guess, femininity too mm. across my characters. And yeah, like so far, everyone that I've worked with, like that's been that's been like the reason why they why they want to work with me and mm. um, why they love working with me, right? And so I'm very lucky in that, that, that respect. <laughs> I really don't have too many experiences with, or I guess like negative experiences with kind of like queerness. If anything, I, I, I got a lot of that weird shit at the, at the corporate job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If anything, uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. anything, yeah. but um, yeah, in the games industry, like the people that I've met so far are all incredible. And That's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, like the other side of it too, like my kind of like Chinese, like, you know, the diaspora side of uh, myself is, you know, I'm not quite as in touch with that as I would like to be mm. in, in in all honesty. I did, I did live in um, Shanghai, China for a chunk of my growing up, I think through most of middle school and a year of high school. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, we were expats there for for a little bit yeah we lived in shanghai and it was a it was a very gorgeous city and it was just we did so much <laughs> so much group touring of like different regions in china and like we just explored and got to see so much i'm sure that has you know a lot of things to do with like my visual library as well mm-hmm. you know just the stuff that i've that's been ingrained in my head with all these trips yeah the unfortunate thing too right is that like after we moved back to finish high school I didn't really get too many more chances to kind of really explore the Chinese side of me. And, you know, also going to going away to university, I was leaving my parents and, you know, especially my mom, who was very, very, uh, <laughs> she had like the strongest kind of like, like I would talk to her in Chinese, like everything that we did with each other was very <laughs> Chinese <laughs> versus like my dad, you know, like he's Chinese as well. But, um, He's like a businessman and like he'll talk to my sister, my brother and I in English Mm. and we don't kind of get that exchange um, as much. Like we're always Mm -hmm. like, dad, like, please talk to us in Chinese sometimes so we don't forget. (laughs) And, you know, it's it's the struggle of kind of like, um, you know, like not being super fluent and, you know, our our mother tongue, I guess, Mm -hmm. as we would Mm -hmm. like, Um, because like in China, like. We didn't go to like a Chinese school. Like we we went to like an international school, and oh, you know, um, and so it was like a yeah, yeah, it's like a, a much different experience. But in those, we still you know Chinese classes. Like everyone had to take them. It didn't matter who you mm-hmm. were. Like they, you had mm-hmm. to take them as part of the curriculum. And like I was, I I actually learned so much, and then forgot so much <laughs> after we moved <laughs> back. And so now you know it's kind of like reconciling a lot of my experiences with that in the past. You know, like the people that I interact with on a daily, like I aren't really Chinese. I don't really speak Chinese anymore. Like yeah. it, it doesn't feel great at the end of the day mm-hmm. to, yeah. to feel kind of out of touch with that kind of stuff. Right. And so, you know, right now it's not where, you know, I would prefer it to be, 
but you know like i think like ways for me to kind of like explore a little bit more of that and kind of like get back in touch with that aspect of myself is through art and through fashion because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know like i i love the history of fashion throughout the history of china and just mm-hmm. east asia in general um i think a lot of my <laughs> my shape language that i my overuse a little bit too much um definitely comes from a lot of that for sure mm-hmm. And um, it's always really fun for me to kind of like do research on kind of like my own culture and like refine that kind of like familiarity, I guess. Because like there's so many times where I'm like doing research on my own culture. I'm like, what is that name again? Like, I know my mom's mentioned it so many times, but, you know, like it's just slipped my mind. Or like, what is that mm-hmm. one thing that I know that I only know in Chinese, but I have no idea what the English word for it is. <laughs> and then doing doing research on that. and. Yeah, it's 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 all very, you know, like it's 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 a small part of kind of like my everyday, but every time I kind of get a chance to do do that and kind of like find that part of my identity a little bit more through my art. Right. It's very it's very fulfilling and um and yeah, life's a journey and you know like I want to take more language classes too, like maybe even like learn a language other than Chinese too, but mm-hmm. Well, thanks Devin for mm-hmm. uh joining us today. Thanks for all your insights. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you'd like to promote? Yeah, so I'm mostly active on Twitter. I do have an Instagram account. And let's see, I'm I'm on ArtStation. I don't know how many viewers would know what ArtStation is, but it's like a big platform for kind of like game game artists and some animation artists to kind of share their Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, It's very kind of like 2D driven. Mm -hmm. I don't really have (laughs) too many exciting personal projects going on at the moment other than my ambitions to return and find time to work on expanding my witching hour stuff. But, um, but yeah, did you want to? Did you want to say your uh, <laughs> Twitter Twitter tag? Your Twitter yeah, handle? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. You know that's um probably smart, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, my Twitter tag is, and like most of my social media tag handles is Devin Scribbles. My name is Scribbles. And as we come to a close, is there any final advice you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in games? Oh, gosh. I can only really speak to concept art. Um, yeah, So please. here it goes. Um, it is a very, very oversaturated, super competitive field um, in mm. games. And, you know, like, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without certain privileges, right? Like, it's very, I think it's very important to acknowledge, like, your own kind of like situation your own economic standing like wherever you are in life right Mm -hmm. i think it's really important to gauge that have a backup plan in case you know like things go awry that's what i had to make when i made my jump to freelance i wasn't sure if it was gonna pan out for me so (laughs) as my backup thing i was like okay i'm just gonna go get like a part or like a part-time job at like a flower shop a local flower shop or something and kind of like coming to terms with being like okay with like hey that's gonna be my backup plan like that's okay if it happens and so i think that's so important because you know like i I guess like this is also like a glass half empty kind of view on things because my brain (laughs) just really loves to jump to the kind of like the worst case scenario and you know like sometimes it's i don't know if it's due to just my anxiety or just other things right Mm -hmm. the way my life has conditioned me to think but i think it's also just very good to kind of be very aware of kind of like fears and like um, planning a- around that a little bit never hurts, right? It never hurts to have a backup plan. And so yeah. that's kind of what I want to emphasize first and foremost. Like dreams, 
they're great, right? I <laughs> like we know like like dreams are lovely, but I think like having a, some feeling of security before you dive into something that you're not sure if you're gonna like have a 100% shot at, right? Is so important. Yeah, yeah. And like being realistic with your goals too, right? And so you know, with all of this being said, that's not to discourage anyone from trying, right? Like mm-hmm. I think like I I made it, and like even though I've had certain privileges, a lot of it was just really like based on my own merits. Like I, I really, really worked my ass off to get to where I am today. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it paid off, you know, like I didn't have too many like glorious, shiny opportunities come my way. And yet mm-hmm. I, I've still kind of made my way in. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I think like, that's like a good teller of like, Hey, like, even though it might be scary and the market might be oversaturated, like you can, like, you can still do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of like balancing like your hopes and your aspirations with kind of like reality and just being really real with with yourself. I think finding like a feeling of security. Mm-hmm. That's the way I plan around things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I think it's a like a good kind of like in between of kind of like, oh, just shoot for the stars. Don't worry about anything versus like, you know, like, oh, like I'm never going to make this. I suck, you know. Mm-hmm. and. And yeah, I think there's like, there is, you know, also like a good kind of like movement right now in the games and tech industry, I think, for mm-hmm. for diverse hires as well. Mm. And so, you know, like one thing that I've kind of seen in my interviews is like a lot of game studios might be missing people, you know, queer people or even just like women who can bring that kind of like feminine art taste to things. Mm-hmm. And that's like so important right now because I think I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of studios are like they have holes like that with that they need to fill. And it's like such a good time. Like if you are, you know, if you're a woman or you're someone who's just very in touch with their femininity, like I think it's a great time to like get, you know, a lot of like maybe more success during this yeah. time than not. And, you know, like I think like trying to break into the industry now is definitely, you know, like it's hard, but like, I feel like, especially for us marginalized folks, like with kind of like the, the push for, to get more of us in there, like, I think that's a good thing and it can only help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think that's generally it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for that, that bit of uh, grounded wisdom. Of course. And if you audience enjoyed our interview with Devin today, please rate and follow us on Anchor Spotify or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.